0: four twenty-one through five one. You can find it on page six of your bulletin. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh But his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. This is the same now. And what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery.
1: thought the kids did remarkably well, didn't see anyone eating any palm branches, which would have been quite fine. Uh, All right, let me say a word of prayer and we'll get going. Jesus, uh, this time is for you to the praise of your grace. We need you more than we even know we really do. And so we're asking for your help to open our eyes, to see our need. And then for us to also then, even more powerfully, to see your salvation, to see your help, to see your gospel. So please do that. We need your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Has this ever happened to you, uh, where you go to some sort of a, a social gathering? Maybe it's Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Maybe it's just a gathering of friends. Maybe it was a March Madness party that you were at last night. Go into a social gathering together with a friend who knows the people that you're hanging out with. You're a little bit of an outsider. You don't know them all that well. And things are fine until conversation starts rolling along and people start making references to people that you don't know. Uncle Jimmy, such and such a thing that he did years ago. Ha, ha, ha. Everyone's laughing but you. Aunt Susie. Or this great friend that everyone seemed to share in common, maybe from their high school years. Everyone's enjoying each other's company, this bond, naming names, naming places. And you're sitting there wondering, are you at the right party? Because you don't know who everyone's talking about. Today's passage can feel a little bit like that. All these references to names and peoples and places from the Bible, and maybe you felt like you are at that party. No clue what's being talked about by the Apostle Paul throughout this passage. In fact, you're in pretty good company because a lot of people describe this particular passage as one of the hardest in the entire book of Galatians to understand. So we're going to try to simplify it a little bit. We don't have the time to interpret all the details together. We're just going to look at some of the main ideas. Because the main idea, the main point of this passage is actually pretty simple. And it's simply this. That there are two ways of relating to God, to yourself, and to the world around us. Two ways. One that leads to spiritual slavery, and one that leads to spiritual freedom. And here's the big question of the day. Do you, dear friends, want to be free? But let me back up a little bit here and tell you a little bit about Uncle Jimmy, about some of these characters and the storyline that might feel a little distant to you. This fine cast of characters that Paul talks about from this passage, which originally comes from the book of Genesis. Let me tell you a story. God found a long time ago, found a Mesopotamian man named Abraham didn't go to church didn't know God. In fact, Abraham worshiped all sorts of other kinds of pagan gods common to his day and culture. But God found Abraham, and he made him a promise. He said, from now on, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and show you favor." Favor you don't deserve, favor you could not earn, favor you would not even dream of asking of me. I want to start a brand new relationship with you and through you and through your many, many, many descendants. I want to bless the whole world. There was one big problem with that many descendants part of God's promise. And that was this. Abraham had no descendants, no children, not even one. To make matters worse, he was about 75 years old. And at this time, he had a wife named Sarah, and she was 65 and barren, unable to have children. Which meant this having lots of kids and descendants business was going to have to be a miracle. God was going to have to show up. But you know, he did promise that he'd do it. So Abraham and Sarah, they wait and they wait and they waited and they waited for God to deliver. No pun intended. They waited a year, two years, three years. Five years later, Abraham and Sarah are still waiting. They hit 10 years. And then at this point, they start to say, we have waited long enough. Have you ever felt that way with God? We have waited long enough. It's time to take matters into our own hands. So they agree to have Abraham sleep with Sarah's maidservant, an Egyptian slave named Hagar, Hagar, Hagar conceived and gave birth to a boy named Ishmael. But God says, look, Abraham, you gave up on me, but I haven't given up on you. I'm still going to give you a child through Sarah, your wife, just like I promised. And so finally, when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, against all odds, as a miracle of God's grace, Sarah conceived and gave birth to a son and they named him Isaac, which means laughter because it gave them so much joy to experience the fulfillment of God's promise. And look, a 90-year-old woman having a baby was just as impossible 2,000 years ago as it is today. Isaac was a gift of God's grace. And so now you know the story by heart, right? You got the plot line, you got the main characters. You know it all, right? And so in verse 22, when Paul sort of summarizes this quick summary, check it out. You know what he's talking about now. It is written that Abraham had two sons, and what were their names? Ishmael and Isaac. One by the slave woman, he said, and what was her name? Hagar. And the other by the free woman, and what was her name? Sarah. Very good class. And this is what Paul tells us in verse 24. Here we go. And really he says this throughout the whole passage. The stories surrounding each of these women and their sons represent, he says in verse 24, two covenants, two totally different ways of relating to God, to ourselves, and to others around us. You see, the story of Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael is the story of life and salvation by sheer human effort. Why was Ishmael born at all? Because Abraham didn't want to trust God or wait for God's help. This bus ain't showing up. He trusted himself and wanted to help himself. You might call it a do-it-yourself approach to life. We're getting God's approval or getting a deep and ultimate sense of being acceptable before God, or maybe even harder, before the mirror, before your peers, before your co-workers, before your neighbors. Getting that kind of acceptance and approval is up to you, up to how you do, up to what you're up to. Making life work is in your power, atoning for all your wrongs is up to you it's a lifestyle of performance a feeling like every day you're on the hook to prove yourself to god and otherwise he ain't gonna love you and otherwise he ain't gonna forgive you he just might change your mind his mind about you today and this is what paul is saying here This do-it-yourself approach to life and salvation always results in spiritual slavery. It makes you a slave. A slave to yourself, a slave to how you're doing, a slave to other people, a slave to guilt, condemnation, and fear. We'll talk about it some more in a second. On the other hand, the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac is the story of life and salvation by God's effort. By the performance of Jesus on your behalf. How was Isaac born? As a result of divine promise, we're told in verse 23. And by the power of God's Spirit, verse 29. God had to do it or it wasn't going to get done. And no different then from this understanding of life and salvation that the Apostle has been presenting all throughout the letter of Galatians. You might call it the gospel approach. That you get right with God Not by doing good things or trusting in the things that you can accomplish today or yesterday or tomorrow, but rather by putting all your confidence and all your love in what Jesus has done in your place for you before God, before the throne of God. That Jesus died the death that you should have died. He also lived the life that you should have lived. And therefore God looks upon Him and then looks upon you and treats you as though He would treat His perfect Son, Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Apostle tells us that if we get this right, this Gospel approach, it produces children who are what? Free. Free. Children who are free. People who are living the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac in their relationship to God, to themselves, and to others. And so the first question of the day to you is, what's your story? Which of these stories are you living out of today? Is it the Abraham, Hagar, Ishmael story? Do it yourself. Make it happen. This bus ain't showing up. Or is it the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac? A God who provides what you can't provide for yourself. A God who helps because he knows you're helpless in your sin and your weakness. A God who loves the unlovable. The God who approves the unapproved. The God who forgives the unpardonable. A God of grace. A God of the Christian Bible. Which story is your story? The story of Ishmael or the story of Isaac? And the second question the passage then raises for us to consider is don't you want to be more free? Verse 28, the apostle says, now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, embodying his story, are children of promise. In verse 31, therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not slaves, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And then he wraps up this entire passage with the first verse of chapter 5 saying, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Which is a surprising thing if you're listening closely to what the Apostle Paul says. And that is this, that some of you who are actually in Christ, in relationship with God through Jesus, Who do raise your hand and say, I am accepted by God through Christ. I have been counted righteous in God's sight because I trust in Jesus to stand in my place. I am forgiven. There is no condemnation for me. I am a child of God, a son and daughter with a deep and, and eternal inheritance. I'm part of God's family. That all those things can be objectively true of you but you're living like a slave. Because Paul is talking to professing Christians. You're living like a slave. Mm, Does that sound, does that make you uncomfortable? Or does it ring true of you and how you feel your life is being played out before your very eyes? One commentator says of verse 1 there that Paul is really simply saying this, Jesus has freed you to be free, so be free. In Jesus, dear friends, we are free from guilt and condemnation. Do you ever feel like a slave to guilt? I mean think about how much guilt and shame, especially when you're screwing up, can just drain you of life. Can make you watch your back and be nervous in relationships and before God himself. Guilt that can shut down your prayer life. You don't even want to talk to him because you don't feel like he wants to talk to you. The ways in which it drives us to try to atone for our wrongs. Maybe that's why you're working so hard in life. Maybe that's why you're trying so hard to do good because you know deep down inside you're not. Listen, Jesus offered his life as payment for your sins. So you'd never have to face the wrath of God for yourself. And Jesus, you're forgiven You're counted as righteous in Jesus. You are clean. Do you want that kind of freedom? Do you want it? It's here for you today. Praise God, Jesus offers us freedom from moral exhaustion. Some of us feel like slaves to religious ritual or a moral code maybe that's why some of you are running from the church because you feel like that's all that the christian faith is about slavery to a moral code maybe you feel like a slave to being good you feel like you've got to live up to some kind of reputation of being the good daughter in the family the dutiful son in the family or maybe a good christian in the eyes of your peers jesus sets you free in Jesus, we find freedom from performanceism. You know, where you feel like you just always need to be doing better than you were yesterday, justifying your existence every day of the week. Are you tired? Are you tired? Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. Maybe you're a slave to your task list, a slave to your job or the next job, or your house or the next house. More maybe a slave to a good cause. It defines who you are and how you see yourself. Or a slave of people's opinions of you. Always feeling like you need to manage people's perceptions of you. You better get it right. You better edit your life resume before people so they don't see your flaws. Are you faking your way through life? Are you tired of pretending Jesus can set you free? Jesus can set you free. Free, A freedom that gives us freedom from fear. Fear of death, which so many of us live in slavery to. Or fear of the road to death, like signs of aging. Listen, Jesus was raised from the dead. He conquered death. If you are in Christ, death is not the end. Death does not define you. Maybe you're a slave to the fear that things are going to go wrong. Maybe you're just crippled by this sense that if you don't get it right, it's all going to fall apart. Maybe it's why you can't sleep at night or why you tiptoe through life or maybe why you're so sure that you need to keep everything in control in life. In Jesus, we find freedom from being stressed and worried all the time. I need a little bit of that. Do you? Freedom from being cynical all the time cynical all the time why because I can I can start to be like a little child a kid like some of the ones up here just goofing around with security and freedom boldness they don't care that you're sitting there looking at them it's what kids are like imagination and hope and joy and anticipation why because my heavenly daddy can do anything there ain't nothing that he can't tackle and take care of. You find freedom to take risks. You don't need to be a slave of being in control of everything in life, every decision, every circumstance. Is that why you're freaking out about that next thing that you need to make a decision on? You know, because you have a Heavenly Father now who is in control. You have a strong, wise, and kind, and compassionate Heavenly Father who is not going to let you screw up your life. Hallelujah. He can't let you do it. He can only do you good. Which means you got freedom to really take risks, to move out of your comfort zone, to try something new, some of us live shackled to our safety zones of our personalities and what's working for us. Some of you need to let the freedom of Jesus let, let you let loose. Try something that you haven't tried, like skydiving, picking up a guitar, singing, forgiving sharing your heart forgiving forgiving in jesus we find freedom to forgive are you a slave to resentment or bitterness i'm not i'm not making light of maybe ways that you've been wronged but does that wrong control your life does it define you more than it ought to You know, because when you know that Jesus has canceled your lifelong debt to Him before the throne of justice, you start to be able to say, okay, this thing, it still hurts. But maybe I can start to just start to forgive people the spiritual 20 bucks that they owe me. Maybe I can start to find the emotional wealth to do that. In Jesus, you have freedom to fail. Because in every action and decision, God's opinion of you is not going to change. In Jesus, you have freedom to make big decisions because some of us are living like slaves to hard decisions. You've got a Heavenly Father who's watching over you. In Jesus, you can be free to open your heart. No more slavery to self-protection. Some of us that live emotionally bulletproof lives. Maybe you've been hurt so bad you don't ever want to go there again. I understand. I think we get that. We get that. But do you understand that Jesus gives you the freedom to open your heart up once again because he loves you with a love that will not let you go? And He's a Savior that's been injured and wounded more than you can possibly imagine. So in all your woundedness and despair and betrayal and denial and all the ways that people might harm you and hurt you, yes, it's true, it happens. But you'll know this, you're never alone. You're never alone. And Jesus, you can be free to be yourself that you can actually embrace your little quirks. Maybe that little way that you laugh kind of funny. Or that thing that you do that maybe somebody a long time ago made fun of. Or maybe you decide isn't working for you in life. God made you. He made you well. That means freedom from self-loathing. Freedom from pretending that you are someone that you're not. I don't know about you. Sometimes I feel like I wake up in the morning and depending on what I have coming up in the day, I flip through my little closet of different outfits of life. Who am I going to be today? Who do I need to find myself approved by today? In what circles do I need to fit in today? That is slavery in the morning and slavery at night. And Jesus, you have the freedom to repent, to admit that you need help Because Jesus didn't accept you because you were already perfect. Why is He going to start doing that now? The grace of God frees you to be the mess that you are, gives you a safe place to be that. Jesus frees you to be present because so often aren't we slaves to the future? The next job, the next relationship, the next big decision. I've got a Heavenly Father who's strong and who cares for my tomorrows So I can leave that to Him and be present here today and actually listen to the conversations that I'm in and not move on to the next thing so fast. In Jesus, you have spiritual and emotional freedom to befriend people who, besides your relationship with Christ, are nothing like you. In other words, we've talked about this in the past couple weeks. So often we are slaves to sexism to classism, to racism. But look, grace is the great equalizer where you start to realize that every one of us, we are helpless sinners and every one of us are saved by grace alone and not because we're the right gender, not because we're the right ethnicity and not because we're the right social status. Freedom to put others first. Freedom to be servants. Freedom from slavery. Dear friends, do you long to be free? It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's something you need to fight for. To fight to put the gospel of grace in front of you. To fight to let the story of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, to be the story of your own life. The story of God showing up where you can't show up. The God who helps you because you are helpless. The God who sends his son to stand in your place. The God who gives you a gift rather than demanding your performance. A God who doesn't wait for you, but takes initiative to save you and to love you. A God who never changes his mind about you. To fight for that story of freedom to be the defining story of your life. Is it starting to come in place for you? Do you want to be more free? Dear friends, do you want to be free? Let's pray. We do, we do, and we believe, but also help our unbelief. Pour out your grace upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's think about this through a song. Let's stand together and sing Blessed Assurance.